this week, the Comics Guys Explain the Cree. Yes, thank you, Ben. Welcome back, everyone. This time, we will be talking about the Cree. Hopefully, if you watched last episode, uh, you'll know that we are uh, going through the various alien races of the Marvel Universe to try and demystify them a little bit. <laughs> if you didn't watch last episode, um, you might want to, because we're going to refer to it a lot. Uh, the Cree and last episode, spoiler, is about the Skrull. Uh, and those two races have a lot of shared history. All right, well, let's start then. So the Kree also originate with the Fantastic Four, just like the Skrull, right, Darren? Mm-hmm. They show up the first time um, in uh, July of 1967, Fantastic Four number 64. And at this point, Stan, uh, the, the Fantastic Four is the number one selling comic at Marvel. Um, and Stan and Jack are just at like the height of their powers, right? They're turning out some of the greatest stories just in the last year or two. They've created Galactus and Silver Surfer and Black Panther. And, you know, Fantastic Four has gone like super cosmic. Um, and Stan has this idea in his head uh, to create. He's, he's been talking to uh, Roy Thomas, who has been his assistant now for a little bit. And Roy has pointed out to him that the name Captain Marvel is available. If you go back to our episode about the history of the Captain Marvels, you'll know why that was the case. But Roy is a huge fan of the, you know, Shazam Captain Marvel uh, character, and also thinks that, like, for a comic company called Marvel, having a character called Captain Marvel is probably a good idea. We should grab that name, right? Like, we should make sure nobody else uses it again. Um, it's such a great name. Let's make our own version of a character called Captain Marvel. And so Stan's got this in his head, and it's going to take him several months to kind of like work through this of developing a character called Captain Marvel. But he starts laying the groundwork in the stories of Fantastic Four that year. And so in that storyline, the very first appearance of the Kree is when the uh, Fantastic Four accidentally wake up um, an alien robot on a South Pacific island that like basically gets up and fights them for a while. Um, and then they manage to destroy. It's not a terribly, you know, exciting or interesting new concept. It's a fun fight basically. Um, but in that story, we learn that the robot just before it is being, has been defeated has sent a signal out into space. Uh, and we don't know what this mysterious signal is. And over the course of the next few issues, uh, the, we learn that the alien robot was left on earth by a species called the Cree, and the Cree, uh, you know, have for their own at this time, at this point, inscrutable alien reasons, have been, you know, watching humanity, and the fact that the humans have been able to destroy their super powerful robot basically means that we're interesting now, right? Like we've reached a level of technology or something uh, that makes us worth their time, and we've demonstrated it by destroying their robot. So. We learn that the Kree are run by this cosmic being, which is basically a head floating in space with a bunch of tentacles coming out of like the top of its head um, that we mostly see on computer screens and stuff. Which, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like floating in this you know, vat of cosmic energy, and it's called the Supreme Intelligence. And the Supreme Intelligence runs the Kree Empire, and they send, the Supreme Intelligence sends... Uh, a being, a Kree warrior called Ronan the Accuser, 
uh, you'll recognize from the Marvel Universe, the Marvel Cinematic Universe stories. Uh, but Ronan the Accuser is sent to Earth to see what's what with the people who have destroyed uh, their robot and to either, you know, kind of like come back with information or destroy us if we're, you know, just going to be annoying or a potential threat to the Kree uh, Empire. So the Kree show up, the, the Ronin shows up and, you know, demands to know what the Fantastic Four are up to and basically picks a fight with them, um, which goes on for like a couple of issues. Ronan is pretty powerful. He can kind of, you know, stand toe to toe with the entire team. Uh, but eventually the Fantastic Four beat him and chase him off. And he goes reporting back to the, you know, to the Supreme Intelligence that, wow, the the humans are, you know, they're, 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 they've, they've got superheroes, right? That's not a technological advancement that they've made, but they have some number of beings on their planet with incredible powers. And eventually they may become a threat to us, right? Like humans have the potential to become incredibly powerful. So by this point, by the time that several issues of this have gone by now, Roy and Stan have come up with the idea for their hero, Captain Marvel. And so they tie this in, right? Like the story of Ronan coming back and talking to the Kree is tied in to a storyline that they begin with one of their uh, anthology titles. It's just called Marvel Superheroes. And Marvel Superheroes is a title that they're publishing uh, bi-monthly at the time that features one new story and a bunch of reprints of older stories, right? And the older stories may be from the you know current Marvel Universe or in many cases are from uh, Atlas and uh, even Timely kind of like back issues, right? So uh, the, the new story in Marvel Superheroes number 12, which comes out in December 1967, is the story of a Kree spaceship commanded by a guy named Yonrog, uh, and including in its crew two more uh, Kree aliens. Um, one is a woman called Una, who is a medic, and uh, one of their top uh, pilots and agents, who is called Marvell, M A R apostrophe, capital V E L L. Um, and so uh, they have been sent to spy on Earth and figure out what's going on with our planet and learn what they need to do before the Kree actually come and invade us and wipe us out. Um, Yonrog, like Ronan, is a blue-skinned Kree, and Una is also a blue-skinned Kree. And we learn over the course of the first few Captain Marvel stories that the blue-skinned uh, Kree are the minority, but they are also the original uh, uh, you know, version, the original kind of like uh, race, basically, of the Kree. Um, and that the pink ones only developed later as the Kree empire began to kind of like absorb other alien species into their society. And so the blue ones are kind of the aristocrats, and the pink ones are the common folk. And so even though the pink ones are now far and away more uh, populous, the blue ones basically control everything. Um, and so Captain Marvel, Marvel, is sent to uh, infiltrate human society as like one of their great agents, basically the one with all the skills and everything. But he's also pink-skinned and therefore will fit in among humans, right? Because humans have a you know range of like racial uh, skin color types, but blue is never one of them, <laughs> right? So, uh, so they have to send Marvel in uh, to become like their agent, and so. 
there is now a you know Cree ship floating out in space near Earth that is getting reports periodically from Marvel as he learns about humans. And so this is the story uh, that kind of like takes place over the first the the first two appearances of Captain Marvel in uh, Marvel Superheroes number twelve and thirteen. In number thirteen, Marvel uh, in one of those tremendous coincidences that only happens when you know Stanley is writing something. A scientist on Earth uh, named Walter Lawson happens to look just like Captain Marvel. Right, looks just identical twin to him, basically, and uh, he dies in a car accident, and so Marvel takes over his identity, um, and now he has like the secret identity that he is living as Walter Lawson, pretending that Lawson never died, basically, which he is using to kind of like infiltrate and learn about humanity. Walter Lawson uh, worked for the U.S. government uh, in their space program, which is incredibly convenient for the Kree, obviously, because that's exactly what they want to learn about, <laughs> right? So Marvel uh, goes to work at this facility disguised as one of their scientists. He meets this whole supporting cast of characters, most notable of which is Carol Danvers, who is the chief of security at this rocket base that he's that he's working at. And so she's kind of like set up. There's a, a sort of a romantic triangle is set up because Marvel is now kind of interested in this human woman, but he's also in love with Una back on the ship. And Una is also being lusted after by Yonrog, who would love to kill Captain Marvel off so that he doesn't have a you know a rival for Una's affections anymore. And we've got this whole complicated Stan Lee style, uh, you know, romantic square basically kind of going on between between them. Um, Marvel basically very quickly within two issues has decided that humans are awesome. He loves humans. Humans are the best. And it's a terrible mistake for the Kree to be invading them. And frankly, my own people, the Kree, are kind of dicks. And I'm totally going to switch sides uh, and secretly uh, rebel against my blue-skinned, you know, superiors, basically, in the in the Kree Empire. And I'm going to help the humans uh, fight back against this potential invasion. The story sells plausibly well. It's not a great hit. Marvel Super Stories was never a big seller to start out with. But by Marvel Super Stories standards... Those two issues sold quite well. And so Stan and, and Roy basically uh, felt that this was a strong enough start that Captain Marvel should get his own title. And so Captain Marvel in 1968 gets his own series. Um, and it's the first new series, the first new superhero introduced in a few years, right? Like, I mean, it's they've uh, and the first one to get its own his own series in a few years, right? Like, I mean, Stan and Jack obviously have been churning out new characters like Silver Surfer and Black Panther in other people's titles. But Captain Marvel is kind of like the first new character with his own comic going forwards. And this is right around the time that Marvel has straightened out its distribution problems and is no longer limited in the number of comics they can put out per month. Right, so the introduction of Captain Marvel number one is only a few months after they have had that restriction lifted, and they're looking for more new titles to publish. Right, so like the standards that Captain Marvel needed to hit for sales to be worth their time uh, wasn't really that high. Right, so Captain Marvel never really took off as a successful series, but it was always doing just okay enough to be worth doing, and continued for two or three years. Um, Roy. Uh, very quickly winds up being the lead writer on it. Stan has, you know, kind of like started to back off from writing superhero stuff. And he eventually very uh, uh, 
cuts down his titles to the point where he's only writing Fantastic Four and Thor anymore. And Roy takes on most of the titles that Stan used to be involved in. And one of those is, uh, is Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel starts fighting the Kree. He starts fighting other aliens. Uh, he gets a much nicer new costume. Um, the first costume that he has is like a, you know, just a monstrosity. It's terrible looking. Um, but he gets kind of like an updated cool blue and red one. And he gets his nega bands uh, become like part of the story. And Roy is writing the Avengers at this point. And by, you know, two, three years into Captain Marvel's story, he's also doing the Kree Scroll War over in the Avengers, which we talked about last uh, last episode. And so Captain Marvel kind of crosses over with the Avengers. A chunk of the Kree Scroll War stories take place in Cap's own comic, and then you know the rest of it kind of is it takes place in uh, in the Avengers, in which Captain Marvel appears as a guest star throughout it. Um, at the end of the Kree Scroll War stories, uh, Rick Jones has used his cosmic potential to thwart the scrolls, basically, and is near death. And uh, it's, you know, he's, he's wiped out, he's used his energy, he's, uh, you know, he's fading from existence. And Marvel cannot allow such a great young hero as Rick Jones uh, to die this way. And so he sacrifices part of his own existence and creates a relationship between the two of them so that they are sharing one set of life energy of kind of vaguely explained. This is, of course, Roy making a reference to the original Captain Marvel, right? Who, you know, said a magic word and turned into a teenager right. and vice versa, right? This is, you know, at, at this point, right, nobody has seen a Shazam, a new Shazam story in 20 years. And so Stan, uh, I mean, Roy is making kind of an underhand reference, basically, to his favorite storylines. He want, has always wanted Captain Marvel to be more of a reference to his favorite old timey series. And so he sets up this relationship between Marvel and Rick. That is basically the relationship between Shazam, Captain Marvel and Billy Batson. Is Fawcett around at this point or is this? Oh, Fawcett has long since Fawcett. Well, I mean, Fawcett publication exists, but the Fawcett comics have went out of business in 57. Right, right, right. Right. So it's been 14 years since the end of the lawsuits basically and the acquisition of the you know the, uh, the dc doesn't realize yet that dc hasn't done anything with their victory over right. you know the the shazam stuff if you go back to the that episode right we talk about the entire uh, like stretch of time uh in about five years past this point is when dc will suddenly realize we can do reprints of the captain marvel characters right and so they'll start reprinting the 50, the 40s and 50s stories um, but at this point, Captain Marvel, the Shazam, has been out of existence for 14 years. Nobody has had a comic book printed. Nothing has happened with the character. And so this is Roy doing a nod back to basically his old-time favorite character when he was a kid uh, with this current character who has the same name, right? So, so we learn more about the Kree over the run of the Captain Marvel comics and then this Avengers run as well, right? Um, the Kree are from a home world called Hala. Uh, Hala is in a system called the Pama system. Pama is apparently the name of their son. And it's in a yet another third different galaxy from our galaxy and the Skrulls, who are in the Andromeda galaxy. Uh, that uh, The Kree actually are part of the, the, the Pama system, and the Kree Empire is in the large Magellanic Cloud, which is a small galaxy that's actually much closer to us than the Andromeda galaxy. It's only about 160 light years, 160,000 light years away. 
So the Andromeda galaxy is much bigger, but it's much farther away. This one is actually smaller, but it's closer to us. And uh, we, you know, like learn their story. It is, of course, revealed post Kirby Eternals um, that uh, the Celestials came and experimented on them too and made Eternal Cree and Deviant Cree. Um, the Deviant Cree, we have no record of what happened to them, they just disappeared. Uh, someday I would love to read or write a story that explained where the Deviant Cree went because I think it's a cool idea that like, they, we just never found them. Uh, the Cree yeah. Eternals uh, were wiped out, um, and the last one became a character called Ultimus, who has been uh, shown, around, uh, shown up in several different comics um, over the course of the, of the run. He was actually uh, tra trapped on Earth for a while, living on Earth. Um, after the Cree had that split, uh, they were also experimented on by other aliens, another alien race in a completely separate story, presumably by somebody who had not written the, not read the first one, um, told the story of a race called the Progenitors, who came and messed with uh, Cree, um, you know, cave people basically, and the Progenitors experimented on the Kree and found them useless for their purposes because the Kree had stopped evolving. Hmm. What exactly this means is not really scientifically explained very well in the comics, but basically the Kree are, had become a genetic dead end, right? Like they weren't getting any better. And so the efforts of the progenitors to kind of like mess with them were failing because the Kree themselves, no messing with their genetic code made them into anything different, right? They just were always Cree. Um, and the progenitors will show up again later in their, you know, in, in their storylines. Um, so the Cree uh, come to exist on, on Hala. They come to, you know, like become a full civilization. The other intelligent race living on Hala are the Kotati. And the Kotati are basically plant creatures. They're like living trees, basically. And they had very little interaction with the with the Cree, right? They lived on different parts of the planet. They discovered each other's existence, but they didn't really have much reason to interact. They weren't, you know, trying to live in the same places or anything. And it's not until about a million years ago the scroll show up and conquer them. And of course, neither side puts up much of a fight because neither side is a spacefaring race or anything. They have nothing to kind of like defend. And the scrolls um, decide, okay, it's, you know, it's a, a bloodless coup, basically. The scrolls just come in and take over and say, all right, we don't know which of your two species we're going to put in charge, um, but we need to choose. So we're going to take a, a you know, sample group of the Kotati and a sample group of the Kree, and we're going to take them all to this long distant planet called Earth. Why we're doing it there with, you know, complicated reasons, no doubt. Um, and we're setting them up on the moon. And each of you will be given some amount of, you know, like our stuff, basically. And you will build something for us. And what you build will be, like, we'll judge what you build. And we'll come back in a year. And we'll see what you built with the, you know, the technology and the stuff that we sent, that we left with you. And whoever satisfies us, makes us happier with the thing that they built, uh, will become the ruler of their species, of this planet, right? And the scroll leave, and they come back in a year, and among their group is like their empire, their emperor, right? Doric actually comes with them uh, to see the, the, the outcome of this contest. Uh, and the Kree 
have built a city with amazing technology, right? Like they've used all of the scroll technology and they've built this amazing city and it has its own equipment that is giving it an atmosphere um, that, uh, you know, like, uh, so that they can breathe on it in, because it's the moon and it doesn't have an atmosphere, right? But the, their city is just generating this atmosphere and it's this big, you know, full of all kind of high-tech buildings and high-tech stuff for it. And this will basically be the blue area of the moon. Uh, which will show up over and over and again in Marvel history. The Kotati have built a beautiful garden uh, in their space, right? And they also, they're subtly using the technology to like maintain an atmosphere and everything there. Um, but they have, instead of filling it with technology and buildings and whatever, they have built, you know, filled it with beautiful flowers and beautiful plants and all sorts of whatever. Um, and so the scrolls look at it and they're like, wow, you know, the, the Cree were pretty cool. They made a city, but look at how gorgeous this garden is. I think we're the Kotati are clearly the winners and we are going to make the Kotati in charge of the Cree. And the Cree are infuriated by this decision and they outnumber, uh, <laughs> you know, the handful of, uh, 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 scrolls who have come to do the judging. So they kill the scrolls and they kill almost all the Kotati. And this starts the Kree Scroll War, right? And this war will then go on for a million years because not only did they like kill us, you know, the scrolls who were involved in this, but literally they killed the emperor. Mm -hmm. And what the emperor was doing, farting around out to the moon, you know, just to judge a competition or whatever, it's never really been explained. But nevertheless, it causes, you know, like a great uprisal in, you know, scroll society. The scrolls basically, according to their own version of the story, turn evil. And uh, you know, begin this uh, brutal war with the Cree. The Cree, uh, you know, uh, uh, build their own empire in the large Magellanic cloud uh, over the course of this time, and become you know like a fair fight against the Scrolls. Basically, um, the Katadi are almost all wiped out. Um, the 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 Cree are mad at them, not just the ones on the moon, but even back on their planet. But a few uh, are saved. There is a priesthood, the priesthood of Pama, uh, on Cree, that believes that well, they're they're pacifists and they're very unhappy about like being involved in this war and they're unhappy about killing the Kotadi, and so they take a bunch of like the seedlings of the Kotadi and go off to other planets and build new gardens and like raise new Kotadi there to keep them safe, basically. And over the centuries, that priesthood kind of like kind of like uh, mutates in its uh, uh, in its purposes and begins to worship the Katadi as their gods uh, over the course of hundreds of years of maintaining these sacred gardens full of these these people. Um, and so uh, the the Avengers will you know several times run into the priesthood. Basically, this is uh, we'll all get tied into the Celestial Madonna storyline that Steve Englehart does in the '70s with the Avengers. Um, will involve the priesthood of Pama and the return of the Katadi, basically. Um, the Kree also build something they call the Supreme Intelligence, which is an artificial mind that is more powerful and more intelligent and more far-seeing than any individual Kree can be. And uh, originally, they build it to help them understand and get to the level of technology where they can build a cosmic cube. Because they saw, they're aware of what happened to the scrolls when they built the Cosmic Cube. When the scrolls built the Cosmic Cube, it basically destroyed two-thirds of their empire. And the Kree are like, well, okay, that sucks, but look how many scrolls it killed. <laughs> One, that's great. 
So if we could build our own, we're much smarter than the scrolls. We would never use it inappropriately. We'll just use it as a weapon to wipe out the rest of the scrolls. And so they build the Supreme Intelligence and say, Supreme Intelligence, tell us how to build a Cosmic Cube. And the Supreme Intelligence says, Cosmic Cubes are too dangerous. I'm not going to tell you that because that would wipe out our society too. And instead, I'm going to steer you in all of these other different directions, of other technological directions. I'm going to pretend that I don't know how. Um, and eventually, the Supreme Intelligence winds up taking over their empire and becoming the supreme ruler of all of the Kree and being worshipped by the Kree. The other Kree, who are not worshipping the, the tree people, basically, start worshipping the supreme ruler instead, the Supreme Intelligence. So the Kree are now spreading across the universe. Um, you know, they're fighting a, an ongoing war with the Skrulls. They first come to our solar system about 25,000 years ago, and they build an observation station uh, on Uranus. And when they do, they meet uh, the Eternals uh, who left Earth and came to live on Uranus as well. And so they have kind of like an, an, an interaction. And the Kree kill one of the Eternals, a guy named Arlok. And from studying his body, they learn about the Celestials and how the Celestials have been mucking around on Earth and the difference between Eternals and everything. And that's when they learn their own kind of like past about the Eternal and Deviant uh, Scrolls. And these Kree are fascinated by this and they have like some, you know, Eternal uh, te technology and everything. So they come to Earth and decide to kind of duplicate what both the Celestials and the Progenitors had been doing to them. And they do some experimenting on humans, uh, ordinary, you know, like prime inhumans, and basically create the inhumans as a species. Um, and they live on Earth for a few thousand years, just kind of like watching what the inhumans do and everything and kind of practicing on human genetic code. Um, and then they decide to leave. And it's when they leave that they leave behind the robot that the Fantastic Four will eventually wake up and let them know that the humans have become interesting. So like we see in the Inhuman storyline, we see them burying Sentry 459 uh, and then taking off saying, you know, call us when humans are interesting again. So we see the, the Supreme Intelligence, the Kree Skrull War happens. Uh, the Supreme Intelligence manipulates Rick Jones into unleashing human potential uh, power, basically, and defeating the entire Skrull Armada. Uh, and then, like a, a truce is basically kind of like declared between the scrolls and the Kree at the point. At that point, um, the Kree occasionally show up in the pages of other, you know, characters' comics. Captain Marvel's series gets canceled due to large lack of interest, and then Captain Marvel himself is killed by Jim Starlin in one of the first Marvel graphic novels. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so once Captain Marvel is gone as a character, the Kree kind of fade out of existence for a while. They show up a couple of times. They're in, like we said, they, they show up for the death of the Phoenix, etc. Um, the Kree and the Shi'ar go to war again. The Supreme Intelligence uh, continues to kind of like muck around behind the scenes trying to manipulate its own people. And they wind up in a war um, in 1992, that's uh, a, you know, Marvel, one of their kind of like fairly blunt object metaphors basically have a, a, a crossover called Operation Galactic Storm, which is, you know, obviously Marvel kind of like taking the piss from and being critical of uh, Desert Storm um, at the time. And so 
there is a massive amount of uh, loss, basically. The Shi'ar kick the snot out of the Kree and kill lots of them. Um, and the explosion of a nega bomb on their home world rekindles the Kree ability to mutate, which was the point all along as far as the Supreme Intelligence was concerned. The Supreme Intelligence was willing to you know, sacrifice billions of lives to kickstart the Kree into being able to mutate again. Um, and one of the first such mutates, basically the first uh, uh, beings born uh, after the uh, Negabomb is a pink-skinned woman named Susanna, who will later come to Earth and become the heroine Ultra Girl. The Kree have kind of, you know, since then rebuilt their uh, the army and their population, or more likely writers forgot that most of them had died, basically. And so, uh, you know, some retconning is done uh, in the fifth volume of the Captain Marvel series, started in about 2003, that kind of like basically uh, swept over a whole bunch of like continuity issues about different writers using the Kree and everything um, as saying that uh, the cosmic being called Entropy destroys the universe and then remakes it. And in the new version of the universe, which is exactly like the old universe, except for a small number of details about the Kree and the fact that Entropy has replaced Eternity uh, in his role uh, as, a, as a being in the universe. Right, so like any uh, continuity error that happened before was just well, that's a you know that was in the old universe, <laughs> right, where, where all that stuff happened. The new universe that never happened, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of like a you know one solution for all continuity problems. Uh, the X Men and the Guardians of the Galaxy had a crossover uh, relatively recently, and uh, the called the story is called the Black Vortex. And in this storyline, the planet Hala was ruined, and the Supreme Intelligence was killed. And Ronan, the accuser, who still kicking around as a bad guy in various places, they've got a huge glow up and a uh, power increase from this cosmic weapon called the Black Vortex. And uh, he gets into, uh, becomes kind of like the main recurring bad guy for the Inhumans and for Novar and a bunch of other characters. And there was a civil war among what was left of the Empire of the Kree in Guardians. Um. And then the most recent time that we've seen the Kree do a significant story is in that same storyline we referred to last episode, uh, where uh, the son of Marvel and Princess Anel of the Kree of the Scroll Empire had a baby and hid it on Earth to uh, you know keep it out of the hands of like both sides basically who would have every uh, you know interest in killing this character off since he would be the inheritor of the throne basically of the scroll empire um, and over the course of the empire limited series that character who grew up to be hulkling of the young avengers um, is you know his his identity is revealed to the rest of the galaxy a new war seems to be threatening but the outcome of the series is that Hulkling becomes the new emperor of an empire of the merged Kree and Skull, uh, Skrull uh, empires, and so the primary, you know, like thing that's going on—that's the—that's the state of the universe as it is right now—is that these two empires, which have been, you know, beaten to crap over the last few decades of the Marvel universe, have joined forces and become a single empire that is now once again one of the most powerful uh, in the galaxy. The, there are several characters uh, who have 
a connection to the Cree, and we kind of like go over them quickly because it's easy to confuse them. Um, this is also covered in part uh, in the um, Captain Marvel's episode, but just so that you're, if you're looking for where to tell these stories, right? You've got Marvel is kind of like the first Cree hero. He's the first Captain Marvel in the Marvel universe. Um, he uh, ran. He basically existed as a character up until 1982, and there was a a graphic novel, which is one of the very first Marvel graphic novels called The Death of Captain Marvel. And it was by Jim Starlin. And in that Captain, in that uh, story, Captain Marvel dies of cancer. Uh, basically, he acquired cancer when he was, you know, exposed to, uh, you know, toxic chemicals, toxic radioactive chemicals while battling the supervillain Nitro. Uh, and it finally catches up with him. Various superheroes uh, try to, uh, you know, use their powers, but nobody can come up with a cure for cancer, right? Like somehow Doctor Strange's magic and that sort of thing don't work on it. And so uh, all of Captain Marvel's um, friends and enemies basically come to, you know, like say goodbye to him basically, and then he dies. He's come back through time travel shenanigans and assorted other things uh, uh, several times since, but he has mostly stayed dead. Um, it usually is revealed that, uh, you know, it, it's always been revealed that something hinky was going on every time he does come back. Um, so a few months after that, recognizing that Captain Marvel was still a great name, um, Marvel created uh, the Monica Rambeau version of Captain Marvel, uh, first appearing in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 16 that summer, August of 82. And then she joins the Avengers and she hangs on to that name into the early 90s. Uh, she has nothing to do with the Cree. She's just using the name. Um, and since then, she has uh, changed her name several times. Uh, she's uh, been Photon and Pulsar and Spectrum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Ms. Marvel, Carol Danvers, the character from uh, that very, you know, the second ever appearance of Captain Marvel, who was, you know, the chief of security, became a superhero back in the 70s herself as Ms. Marvel. She was exposed to a Cree device, basically, that gave her superpowers. Um, and so she was active for a while as Ms. Marvel. She was a member of the Avengers and everything. She lost her powers to Rogue. Uh, who basically stole them, got a new set of powers, uh, and has continued to exist in several different, um, uh, under several different identities. Basically, she was binary and she was Warbird. Um, and then, you know, a couple of times, and most recently, she has taken on the name of Captain Marvel. Um, she doesn't have that much connection to the Kree, except in that it was one of their gadgets that turned her into this power. And now that she is, you know, like one of the most powerful cosmic beings in the galaxy, the Kree do turn up in her stories because they're, you know, an important empire that's out there. But she's not really directly that connected to them. Um, Marvel, apart from his son Hulkling, who we've talked about, had another child, sort of, in uh, that a woman named Elysius uh, basically took his genetic structure and kind of cloned him. Um, it's not really a clone because he's not a perfect duplicate, uh, but she used his genetics and combined them with her own and then artificially aged like the, the resulting baby to adulthood. And so in 1993, we had a character who was uh, Elysius' son whose name was Genisvel, and Genisvel took on the identity of Captain Marvel uh, in the 90s, immediately got caught up in more adventures hanging around with Rick Jones. Um, and then uh, for a while he was out uh, when, when the Captain Marvel name was, you know, he gave that up for a bit. And then he called himself Photon, 
because, you know, Monica Rambeau can't get, you know, abused enough by other characters, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and Genisville, you know, showed up on and off in a bunch of different stories. He wound up joining the Thunderbolts and he gets killed in Thunderbolts in 2006 in Thunderbolts number 100. Um, and he has stayed dead for the last 15 years, which is kind of remarkable. Uh, when all Entropy... Other... Yeah. Sorry? All, all of these, like, uh, spin-off uh, Captain Marvels are all so weird. They all have they are, some they're an odd weirdest, bunch, yeah. Weirdest, and they show up in comics and they don't explain themselves like ever. It's <laughs> so weird when they show up. Uh, I like the next one a lot. I like Phyla. Phyla uh, was interesting, at least. So when when Entropy changes the universe, when we go back and talk about like how Entropy destroyed the universe and rebuilt it, one of the things that was different was that Elysium had not, uh, Elysius had not created one clone of Captain Marvel, but had created two, a brother and sister. And so she basically was kind of like retconned into existence when the universe changed. Um, and by that point, you know, Genisville had gone off and was doing other things. Um, so Phyla became the new Captain Marvel for a little bit. Uh, her, she, her series didn't last very long, but then she got moved over, was a member of the Guardians for a little while. Um, she then she got... For a bit, too. What's that? She got the Quantum Bands. Um, yes. What's his name? No, not... Uh... Darn, what's that guy's name? He's uh, Quasars. He's... Quasar. She had the Quasar bands. She had the Quasar uh, uh, ones, which were which originally belonged to Marvel Boy from Uranus, back right. to tie all of those storylines together. Yeah. Um, she turned into a bad guy for a little bit. Uh, she kind of you know like went bad in the in the once once again has not been brought back though she might at any time. I think I agree with you that except for Monica, she's the most appealing of the other. Captain He's definitely one I would. I, I think they should bring back if they ever do Annihilation. Like if we ever do that for Guardians out in space, I would hope that they bring her in. Oh, to do um, that for the MCU, you mean? Yeah, for the MCU, I'd hope that. Absolutely. Then, I would assume that would cause her to get resurrected in, you know, in the comics too. They usually do that, right? Well, and in that case, I mean, we don't really even need to connect her to um, original Marvel, right? There's no, you know. Yeah, she can just be a Mar- Marvel in the MCU. Like, A is an asshole, and B, you know, isn't really uh, uh, doesn't have like a heroic lineage to call upon, right? So, right, yeah, there's not really much to him. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then just the last being Phyla in as a character, right? Oh yeah, she's she and she's great in that Guardians run. Uh, she's just a fantastic like secondary protagonist for to right. uh, to to Star Lord in that uh, in that Abnett Landing run. Right, I agree. Uh, the last character with a connection to all of this um, is a character who was only briefly known as Captain Marvel, um, but the, uh, the 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 name Marvel Boy was also like kicking around unused. And when Grant Morrison uh, was doing a series of, of stories for Marvel back starting in the year 2000, um, did a uh, a short story with a um, with with Millar, uh, which would created a new character. Uh, who was in a parallel universe, uh, was, a, was a Kree soldier from a parallel universe uh, who had been, had his genetic backstock uh, combined with cockroaches from Earth. So it gave him both kind of like Kree, you know, bodily structure and the abilities of an ordinary Kree person, but he also had insect powers, kind of like Spider-Man, right? Like he could climb on walls and stuff. Um, and he gets switched over into our universe uh, in the run of his just those first few stories and takes on the name of Marvel Boy. Grant Morrison lost interest in this character pretty early. 
<laughs> right? Like he did the story that he wanted to do and then he was kind of done. And nobody yeah. really knew what to do with this character for a bit. He's bounced around for a while. Um, he was in the um, Civil War stories, became part of the Dark Avengers, went to work for Norman Osborn, um, and was being called Captain Marvel at that point. Uh, he then had more of a face turn, kind of like turned back to being a good guy, and joined the regular Avengers using the name Protector. And he is still around in the Marvel Universe, uh, you know, periodically showing up as Protector. Um, but as once again, he's not connected to our Kree. He's connected to the Kree of a parallel dimension. So like our Kree don't like acknowledge his existence or anything. So, yeah, he's a character that really never like Grant Morrison lost interest in him. And then he's been like a tertiary member of multiple teams. I can't think of, I've read, I read all those dark Avengers. I read all the Avengers he was part of. I cannot think of a single storyline of his. He, yeah, yeah, they never made him the feature of anything. They kept kind of like yeah. promising that more stuff would happen with him, and then they never really happens. So yeah, he's just um, not that interesting. Yeah, he's not not all that great. Um, all right, well, that's the cray. Um, next, if uh, if you like this, let us know. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Let's get on the you know get on our uh, uh, Facebook page or get on our Patreon, get on our Discord or whatever, and let us know what else you would like to see. Um, but at some point, we will probably do some more of these. Those are, those are the like the, obviously the two big ones. Um, and I'm not sure there's too many other aliens in the Marvel universe who can who would have an entire episode about them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably the Shi'ar. Certainly, they're they're pretty complicated, and there's you know probably a couple others. But we may also do an episode uh, where we go through four or five of them, right? So if you want to you know make your suggestions for who you'd like to hear about that, uh, now tell us. Artax or the Brood, right? Or, yeah. uh, I don't know those android people that Ultron made, right? Um, or the rock things that warlocks uh, people, the Magus yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, let us know and we will uh, we'll, we, we'll do, we can do 10 minutes each on a bunch of those so yep alright well thank you all for joining us I've been Steve Tasker and I'm Darren Wands have a good night thanks for coming <laughs> <laughs>